This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria, Australia's oldest drama teacher association. Consider becoming a member to take advantage of the many member benefits. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples, and we would like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. My name is Lawrence Page, and in this episode, I'm joined by one of my performing arts heroes. She is the artistic director of Soothe Players and one of Impro Melbourne's company actors and teachers. Today, we're joined by the incomparable Brenna Dixon. Let's get to it. Hello, Brenna. How are you? Good, Laurie. How are you? Oh, that was much better the second time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Uh, I'm really well, really well. So to start off, a lot of drama teachers, I imagine, would know improv quite well, um, particularly theatre sports. And I'm aware that you help Improv Melbourne um, run a theatre sports competition in Melbourne as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, I do. So we have our school's theatre sports challenge once a year. And so I teach uh, workshops in different schools and also um, help out on the event the day the event day, that's the one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> but yeah. I also run a theatre sports club at the school I work at uh, as a drama tutor too. So then what would you say, um, I think a lot of schools would be quite familiar with theatre sports and how it all kind of runs, um, but song prov is a very niche, special kind of thing. What would you say are the real benefits of taking on this art form? Yeah, so song prov or um, improvised songs, basically. It, I think it's really unique in the way it encourages creativity and collaboration. So... Uh, while we teach in theatre sports to support our partners, make our partners look good, um, to admit failures and, in, and embrace, uh, embrace that sense of not knowing the outcome, it's so much more immediate than some prof. If you say we sing a chorus together, I can actually hear the support of my partners in the moment as they sing it back to me. Like it's, uh, you actually get real-time feedback of the support from other people in the room. And also it engages different kids too, because some students who feel uncomfortable uh, standing up and speaking by themselves on stage might feel more comfortable in a musical context because they don't feel alone too. And they start using their voice, particularly at the start, supporting, reflecting back other people's choruses and get used to the sound that they make. Mm. And then it becomes easier for them to start making it by themselves or in song prob, it's, it's much more gradual too, that moment of being by yourself. So it's, it's just another tool for unlocking that for students. And for drama teachers, um, how can they take on this art form into their classes? Yeah, uh, so uh, if you've watched Whose Line Is It Anyway, which I'm sure a lot of drama Love it, have. love it. <laughs> yeah. Good old Colin Mockery. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you will uh, probably be familiar with the, the wonderful Laura Hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So she actually released a bunch of albums of backing tracks. You're kidding. No, yeah, she's got a few. And they're... And not just Hoedown on repeat. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, each song has like 17 different backing tracks, different genres and styles. That's incredible. And also, this is, if you want to buy the second CD as well, she got a bunch of her comedian friends to come in and do an example song over the top. So you can see, you can hear Keegan-Michael Key sing like over a backing track and then have a go yourself if you want. Um, but... Those backing tracks uh, are all you really need to jump in. To introduce it into the classroom, I'd first start with some of those really core foundational improvisation exercises. The ones that focus on, first of all, admitting failure, failing happily, and practicing that moment of, oh, I've stuffed it up, I'm celebrating. So things like bottomless box, um, word of time stories with again, that sort of stuff. Secondly, I would work on those exercises that really explicitly get us supporting our partner and making them look good. So after you've introduced that theory, that the main the main challenge of impro and the main thing being requested of you as a player is to make your partner look good, then I'd start introducing songs. 
So a backing track, like the ones from Laura Hall, uh, will be your best friends. You don't actually need to be a musician, you don't need to play the music yourself, and you really don't even need to worry about the structure of the track either. What's then the first thing that you do to teach song prof explicitly? Usually what I'll do to start is get everyone in a circle, and after we've done a big, good, fun warm-up and students are already happily playing, we'll start introducing the idea of a really simple chorus, and I'll usually demonstrate first. And when I'm demonstrating, I'm gonna my, my aims are to make it seem approachable. So if I have trouble and fail, I'm gonna show that as much as I can. So we'll set up a simple chorus, like maybe one or two words, and I'll repeat it four times and invite the students to join back. Could you give us an example of a of a simple sure. chorus? <laughs> yeah, cool. A simple chorus might be so I might ask them for a word. What's a word? Today I had fairy bread. Fairy bread, beautiful, awesome. So I might go, um, sweet, sweet. Fairy bread. So yeah, something like that, repeat it four times. Something that's very simple, and then once we've all sung it together, we've achieved that, that task, we've created a song. And then we just, uh, once we feel comfortable with that, each student will have a go just setting up a chorus. And demonstrating things too, that they don't have to even sing if they don't want to, they can just speak in rhythm. Like, sweet, sweet, fairy bread. It's just as effective. Yeah, great. And you could probably use this as like um, students could even write their own musical in a school as well. Absolutely. Um, one thing I've noticed about working with you, Brenna, is you're, you're fantastic and excellent at cultivating a really safe space um, for, for students. Yeah. I just want to know, what strategies do you put in place to cultivate an environment of that vulnerability for drama teachers? Yeah, I think having that idea of uh, making partner look good and happy fail as the core of all my lessons, it means that that's what I'm rewarding in the work I see as well. So when students give it a go and when they're supporting their partners, I'm always watching out to verbally in front of everybody reward that behaviour and reward that positivity as well. And that's a skill we're trying to develop. Mm. Also those exercises that I mentioned before, like word at a time within again or bottomless box, where you're watching a partner and trying to find the moment that they need your help and support, I will always do those at the start because that's to get them back in that in that frame of mind. I always said to my students that if an audience wanted to come and see a big budget musical that is perfectly slick, they wouldn't come and see improvisation. Mm. What they do come to see improvisation for is to watch performers do something really hard or that they or that the audience perceives to be quite hard. To take a risk and create something on the spot because they get to see those moments of beautiful, joyful success, but equally they get to see moments of failure and the reason that that's so joyful is because improvisers are trained to fail happily and joyfully. So the audience, we never, they never feel bad for us when we fail. They get to take delight in that moment. And that is so electric to watch. And that means that as long as we are doing those things of failing happily and making our partners look good, we cannot fail. Mm. Because that is what the key skill of improv is. Everything else is just extensions of that core. I guess... If I was a drama teacher and I didn't have a very good ear for music, uh, I might be a little bit tone deaf, if you like, um, <laughs> then how would I approach doing something? Could I still teach something like this? I think you absolutely could. As long as you were confident to fail happily in front of your students, that may actually be more effective than a student, than a teacher who is very competent musically. Like another side of that though too is, it's useful for the students to see vulnerability too. Mm. It's okay to say, I find this hard mm. as well and demonstrate that uh, you're not always perfect at it and it's not easy for you. It's useful in the past when I've taught exercises that I find hard to share that with my students because it, does, it doesn't put me on this pedestal of, of perfection or make it seem like I think it's easy. 
Because if I'm rewarding them from jumping in and taking risks, I've got to honor the risk of it because there is a risk. There's a risk I might sing a note that is out of tune or that I might say, open my mouth and words don't come out or they might not make sense together. Ignoring that does nothing to help the students learn it. Acknowledging it, showing that vulnerability and that little bit of fear, but acknowledging it um, and doing it anyway, joyfully, that is the greatest lesson to teach. 100%. Yeah. And I also feel like as a teacher, if I'm ever teaching musical theatre and drama, for example, I have to take my singing cap off because if I start going for what is tonally pitch perfect, (laughs) then they're never going to succeed as opposed to just going, look, you're giving it the character, you're making character choices in your voices. Um, And then eventually if they're enthused and they're enjoying it enough, they probably will get the tone right and the pitch right in the end rather than that was awful or that's flat or, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's just my experience. but Absolutely, completely agree those performances we remember are not the ones oh she sang every note perfectly <laughs> <laughs> it was like that character was hilarious or so emotive or yeah. like, it was it's about the performance it's not about yeah the perfection you also uh run your own theater company you run um uh, sooth players uh and, and that's predominantly shakespeare mm-hmm. am i correct yeah yeah so we uh sooth players uh, we started with that improvised shakespeare company but we do actually have other arms and um, we have uh, an improvised harry potter Nice. The show that we do. Yep. Um, improvised Jane Austen and uh, most recently improvised uh, Survivor. Yeah, great, <laughs> Survivor. great. But our, our um, initial uh, like show and the show that I direct is the Shakespeare show. Yeah, great. And, and do you find um, Shakespeare is obviously very heightened, um, musical theatre very heightened. Yes. Um, but what, what do these two types of improv really have in common at the core of it? For me, it's uh, metaphor and language, playing with metaphor and uh that find that joy in words, but also it's the heart. It's the heart in both. In Shakespeare's work, characters care about what happens to them, regardless of whether it's about uh, like in King Lear not being given uh, a share of land or your father's approval, or if it's a character like with Falstaff about a beer. Like that, that's the same emotion, <laughs> and it's getting to see characters feel in front of in front of you. That's what I love, and that's uh, what I think I love about both of them. In one sentence, to finish this interview, I've made this a very big challenge. In one sentence, how would you describe, or how would you, how would you like your students to see you as a teacher? What, how would you describe your philosophy? I think my philosophy for teaching is that I want students to feel, after they've taken a class with me, that they have agency about what they're creating, and that they don't feel the fear of, of failure. Brenna, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Laura. It was an absolute pleasure. That's all for this episode of the Aside Podcast. Huge thank you to Brenna Dixon for giving us her time. You can find out more about Impro Melbourne and Sooth Players by going to the links on this episode. If you would like to ask us a question or you have a suggestion or something else for a future episode, feel free to contact us on asidepodcast at outlook.com. We respond to a number of emails each week and are always happy to help. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. And of course, thank you for listening.